My name is Chris Payne. I'm the lead pastor here and thankful to be here getting the opportunity to open the scripture with you today, which we are going to go through a lot of scripture today as I'm introing and just beginning, just beginning the conversation, wait, what? Now, we just came off a series in which we talked about the gospel and, and we talked about race, we talked about gender, we talked about politics, and we concluded with science. Did our panelists do a great job last week or what with science? We do have both services, I believe, online. Is that correct? I'm supposed to. Uh, because they have some different questions, different answer. And so that, that's, that's the plan. Hopefully you can listen to that. If you missed last week, be able to hear um, some of our uh, amazing members answer some of your questions. But I wanted to not just transition and go a whole different direction, but I think this actually matches a lot of what we are talking about. If anything, this last series was our passion to be able to say, you can be Christ-centered dealing with race, dealing with politics, dealing with science, dealing with gender. And in fact, if you're not Christ-centered, it's easy to get sucked into being race-centered or gender-centered or political-centered or science, imperialism, like empiricism-centered, like this type of understanding. And it can, it can actually... Um, thwart you, mess you up, like take you into a place you don't necessarily want to be where you make enemies in the wrong ways. Maybe people that aren't enemies, but people you should befriend and hear and talk. And so we had a good time with that. I want to transition into diving into the scripture to say the scripture didn't say, doesn't say a ton about things like science as we talked about last week, but it does say a lot about life. And it says a lot about why we are here and what went wrong. If you've ever driven around Houston, you know something's wrong. Something's just not right. Why do things have to be so hard? You ever really spend a lot of time or money outside on your backyard and trying to make it beautiful and nice? And within weeks, you're going, I got to do this again? Something went wrong with our world. And the scripture tells us, here's why there's so much struggle. Here's why things seem harder than they should be. And there is a war and something going on behind the scenes that you might not even realize is happening. And in fact, I would say this that we're going to be talking about in scripture and dealing with spiritual warfare, angels and demons, isn't like a totally different direction, but in fact, I think helps predicate or build a foundation to be able to deal with the other things we talked about before. I think being able to become somewhat mindful of what's going on behind the scenes allows us to have victory in the here and now as well. And that's what we want to do. I don't know about you, but I've seen an uptick in our culture not only statistically, which I'll show you, but just naturally with uh, Avengers, with different movies of the supernatural and just something like above nature. That's what supernatural means. Just something beyond. We have like this, just we're enamored by this concept. And, and, and in fact, I found that there was a, a study done a few years ago in the UK that found that more than half of the entire population believes in the supernatural world meaning ghosts, spirits, psychic powers, etc. A dramatic rise from the last time they had charted this several years ago. From this, the, the paranormal supernatural has become huge Hollywood big business. 
With the popularity of TV shows like Most Haunted and the spread of ghost walks around supposedly haunted parts of city centers. In fact, English Heritage and the National Trust have both started to identify which of their properties are said to be occupied by ghosts in order to attract more visitors. It's a similar story in the States. Recent polls show that about half of us believe in ghosts or that the spirit of a dead person can come back in certain places or situations. And Hollywood is paying very, very close attention to this beyond the rage, way beyond, you know, Twilight series, Harry Potter, books and movies. Netflix's Stranger Things spends a whopping $8 million per episode. The newest installment of the movie Halloween hit $142 million this season and topped the box office last week. Stop seeing those movies, man. I mean, Stranger Things is cool. Halloween, how many Halloween movies do they, come on, that dude's got to die. Mike Myers, I don't mean the real Mike Myers, the Halloween Mike Myers needs to die. It needs to be done. Then there's TV shows like Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Ghost Stories, Celebrity Ghost Stories, Woo, Long Island Medium, and The Dead Files. Of course, CMT's Voodoo Paranormal, TLC's Cajun Paranormal, and everyone's favorite, Sci-Fi's Meatloaf Rocks the Paranormal. <laughs> I would do anything for love, but I won't watch that. <laughs> There's even iPhone apps that supposedly aid in detecting ghosts, like a ghost meter. (laughs) Bottom line is we are very interested in the supernatural. And I don't necessarily think it's all bad. Here's the problem that I see a lot of times is that the culture is very interested in it and the church is silent. And yet this is the place we should own I'm about to read you 10 scriptures that'll make you go, wait, what? Because if you've ever actually opened your Bible, it says a lot about this stuff. And and of course, I'm biased, but I would say it speaks the truth about what's going on. And it might not be what you think. I know me, I grew up not, I mean, kind of going to church. I was going to a Baptist church. I mean, Baptists aren't bad. I'm I'm thankful for my heritage, but... Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for moving beyond. (laughs) But I grew up in a Baptist church, and, you know, the singing and the worship was this, sit, stand, hymnal, and and it was just very methodical, somewhat boring for sure, fall asleep, and your dad, like, flicks you in the ear. That was me waking up, like, okay, got to engage, but I don't know what they're talking about. But we never talked about supernatural things, except if, oh, that's just wrong. We don't do that. We don't serve that. And what's sad, I think, is I think in culture, they're enamored by these things and ghosts and all these different things and and crystals and energy. I could pull out of crystals and all these things. And when the church is silent because we say, well, that stuff's not real, I think it makes us look extremely stupid and hypocritical because we say, well, that's not real. But, you know, there was this guy who walked on water, right? You know, there's this guy who raised from the dead after three days and they're going... What are you talking about? And yet the Bible does talk a lot about spirits and demons and angels and what went wrong and that there was not just a creation, but there was a fall not only of man, but of supernatural beings. There was a fall. What? Yeah. 
And then God had a plan to redeem and ultimately he's going to restore and bring everything back and even better than the original, original garden is. And we are in that in-between time, that redemption time, where he is taking back what the enemy robbed from him. And there is a civil war going on around you, and you're not even aware of it. And let me tell you, the Bible talks about this constantly. Why don't we talk about it? Well, we will. And we're going to over the next four weeks. This is just an intro so we're just going to cover an inch deep, but we're going to get deeper as the weeks progress and answer some of these questions. Maybe you have. I hope you open your Bible and read, and I hope you have the moments of, wait, what? Because that stirs intrigue and study. When you're like, eh, I got it figured out, why get in it? But I think for eternity, we're going to open the word and go, this is crazy. I've never seen it. Wow, what is going on? Because the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not. And we are people about the word. Now, let me, let me share a little bit of experience that I've had with Supernatural. Some of you guys know my testimony, and, and it's, it's actually part of my testimony because growing up, this little good Baptist kid, my, my parents ended up divorcing when, they were, when I was 12 years old. They weren't 12. <laughs> when I was 12 years old. And uh, my mom married a, a pastor, and he was a youth pastor. Long story short, he ended up getting a youth pastor job. I was in West Texas, in Lubbock, Texas. Before that, he ended up getting a youth pastor job in Apple Valley, California. So I moved from West Texas to California, and I was scared, y'all. I mean, I was like, I don't know. I got this draw. They're going to make fun of me, you know, talk like a Texan, and thank God I lost it a little bit, so uh, that helped, and I moved to California, and I was there a few years, but with, with my mom having a, and me having a new dad, he grew up kind of Baptist as well, but found in scripture and the Lord through experience, the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And so he started taking us to these non-denominated churches and that's the church he was on staff at. Well, it freaked me out because the lady in the front row, you know, that would do her little dance and people are shouting and stuff. And I'm just like, what is happening? I mean, I'm freaked out. You guys are nuts. And I remember my stepdad said, hey, we got a men's retreat, and we've got this special speaker. He's from New Zealand. His name's Greg Burson, and he's a prophet. And I'm going, okay, I'm real skeptical. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't understand any of that stuff, but okay, can't we just go to church and be nice? And, uh, and he's like, well, you come to this men's retreat. And I was about 16, 17-year-old junior in high school, and I was like, I don't, I don't really want to go to your, the men's retreat because I'm a dude, you know, I'm a boy, not yet a man, like Britney Spears, but the opposite. And like, what a, what do I do? I don't, I don't really want to be with all these guys, necessarily these older guys. So, But I went. He dragged me. I'm how many thankful for parents that drag you places you don't want to go. That's what parents, honestly, it's part of your job. Um, not just giving your kid everything they want, but that's another message. <laughs> he takes me to this men's conference. Long story short, because many of you have heard this. Um, he takes me to this men's conference, and I, I, I'm, I'm there. Before the first service, we're just kind of hanging out because it was like a retreat center. We got there, and I'm shooting pool with this guy. He's all tatted up, and I'm like, man, I like this guy. He's like young 20s, and I kind of felt like I could relate a little bit more, and we're shooting pool and having a good time. And his brother dragged him there. Well, his brother had just gotten saved recently, delivered of all these demons because he had a swastika tattoo on his lip and a big demon tattoo on his chest, and he used to be involved in the occult. Cult. His, he drags his little brother, this, his big brother's 300 something pounds, his little brother is like 
Who can I point to? Somebody super skinny, tiny, tiny, tiny. And he drags him. And he's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm here. My brother just wanted me to be here, so I'm supporting him. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to be here. My dad's here. Okay, so we're kind of shooting the bull. And we get to the service. And just like you sitting there, the, the preacher speaking. I'm like, okay, kind of here and getting into it. Afterwards, they do this altar call. They start praying for guys, and there's well over 100 guys there. And guys are, like, growling, and some are, like, crawling, and they're laying hands on them, and they're, like, falling. And I'm sitting here going, wait, what? What is this? How many of you guys ever been in that kind of environment? Am I the only one? Okay. And you're just like, what is going on? I'm so confused. And I'm super skeptical. And then... Out of the corner of my eye, a chair flies across the room. True story. And I dodge it. And that little bitty dude who I had just been playing pool with is on the ground. And about five guys are trying to manhandle him. And he's slinging chairs and slinging people with supernatural power like I ain't never seen before in my life. And I'm over here like, oh, what is going on? And they are like yelling, Jesus, ah, la, la. And they're doing all their thing. And I am freaking out again. Little Baptist boys sing hymns. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? And they, they can't get him to stop, and he's just freaking out. And my stepdad, who I gained a lot of respect after this, um, he kneeled down and whispered in his ear, be still in Jesus' name. And the dude plopped to the ground. And I went, okay, whatever you say, stepdad. <laughs> like, no more rebel, right? And, and, and honestly, I was freaked out because I went, wait, wait, wait. I have read about some of these kind of things in scripture before, but I've never seen anything like this. Wait, what? And it began a process of opening my eyes that there's more going on and that the scripture actually is not just a fairy tale and mythology, but... God is dealing with more than just physical things. He's dealing with hearts and spirits and things beyond our world. That was my first experience. I've had several experiences behind the, the, the second one that was really impactful for me. I was about 27 years old in bed, and uh, I, I had this horrible dream, and I woke up. You've ever had a dream like this where you're just, you had this nightmare, and I woke up, but I was just stiff as a board, and I was trapped. I felt like something was just pinning me down and holding me down, and I'm sitting here going, what is happening? And then that dream came into my heart, and that dream was a dream, but it was something that actually happened to my life that I had stuffed down. I didn't even remember about it. And when I was about six years old in Odessa, Texas, I had a boy try to molest me and was trying to talk to me about having sex with him and rubbing himself on me and stuff like that. And, and not, not to be graphic, this was just real life. And I was six years old and I had suppressed that, not even thought about it, talked about it, didn't know anything about it. And I'm waking up to this nightmare into that guy's face in my face and I'm scared to death. And, and all I could do is say, Jesus, Jesus, and that spirit, that thing lifted off of me. And then the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, I've got things I'm excavating out of you that are holding you down that you don't even know on the inside. And right now I'm going to take care of this. And I want you to forgive that kid right now in my name. And I start, I mean, it's like my own deliverance session. I start praying and, and asking for, not asking for, but forgiving him for what he did. And, and realizing it wasn't just him, that there's something else going on behind the scenes, and God did a work in my life, and I woke my, my wife's like, you know, I'm having like this dramatic moment, and, and, I'm, and she's, I snore more than her, let me say that, but uh, I'm like having to explain what's happened, you know, hey, gosh, I didn't know any of this, and I felt like the Lord had delivered something 
that I didn't even know was there. There's so many things in our lives we don't even know that's there that is hindering us and binding us. And the scripture says a lot about this. Let me not just tell you about my experience, because a lot of people can have experiences, but what does scripture say? Because here's two problems. A lot of people look at, have their experience, and their experience then filters what they read out of the scripture. And the problem with that is you might have some kind of experience. The Bible says that a, that a demon can come as an angel of light and trick you. And if they're preaching a different gospel than what is preached there, you need to look at the word, not just your experience. But on the other hand, on the flip side, a lot of people say, well, I've never experienced that stuff, so it can't be real. So then you read it or you skip or you cut it out of your Bible mentally. And yet what happens when we bring them together? It's powerful because you have a God that is not just in a book or an iPad app. You have a God that is living that wants to impact your life today. And yet the book is amazing. And the book is his word. The book is the foundation, but he wants to build in your life experiences as well of your freedom and others. Let's look at some of these scriptures. Now, I'm not going to teach on these scriptures. I want you to just look at them because you might look at me and you might, you're crazy, man. This is weird. Okay, let's get into some of these scriptures and we will be getting to them coming up. What does the scripture say? Let's just start. We could start Genesis 1. Let's start Genesis 6. This is one of my first reading the Bible going, wait, what? When man began to multiply on the face of of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God. Okay, wait. Man, this is how I read the Bible. Man, like daughters. Okay, this is very like Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. The sons of daughters and son, daughters of Eve. Okay, now, and then we have the sons of God. Okay, I, I don't have a category. What is the sons of God? Like, okay. They saw the daughters of men. Okay, so my mind, daughters of men, were attractive. The actual word is good. And they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever. For man is flesh, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim, 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 Rolodex in my head, and what? Were on the earth in those days. And also afterwards when the sons of God came and the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Wait, What? Like Hercules? Like, what is Hercules? What is this talking about? Job 1, 6 through 12. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Sons of God, the Lord present. Okay, God. And Satan, whoa, Satan also came among them. All right, God's going to beat that dude up, right? The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is your hands only. Against him do not stretch out your hands. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Wait, what? 
what's happening? Seems like there's some kind of spiritual world and like a council of spirits and God, what? 1 Kings 22, 19 through 23. And Micaiah said, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. Okay, God, throne, got it, that's easy. And all the hosts of heaven standing beside him. Okay, there's a lot of things on his right hand, on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? What's your plan, bro? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Okay, wait, what? Daniel 10, 10 through 14. And behold, a hand touched me. And set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for now I have been sent to you. Okay, so this, this angel thing is sent to him. I got it. He's been praying. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And he said to me, fear not, Daniel. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I've come because of your words. Like, okay, that's cool. So prayer works and this angel's coming. Verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Wait, what? But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia. And he came to, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the later days for the vision it's for days yet to come. Wait, what? Deuteronomy 32, 8 through 9. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted heritage. This is blowing my mind, trying to figure this out. Psalm 82. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. My brain hurts. This is not how I learned about like there's God, right? And there's the devil. They like fight, right? Like yin and yang. Well, this is different. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the wicked and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said... You are God, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, and judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Wait, 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 wait. What? 
Let's look at the New Testament, and we could go crazy in the New Testament, but I'm just going to give you one gospel and three more scriptures, Luke 10, 17 through 20. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he, Jesus, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You ever talk to a toddler and you're like talking to them and then they say something else, like off? <laughs> you're like, hey, how was your day today? I love crickets. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know. This is, sometimes you read Jesus and you're like, wait, what? They just said, hey, the demons are subject to us. He's like, man, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So Jesus believes in some kind of evil. If, if Jesus, who resurrected and did miracles, I'm listening to this dude. Behold, he says, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. That's not physical serpents and scorpions. And, oh, and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here's a few of my favorites, Acts 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, here's just historical context, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. I love Paul. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, he's like, Chick, shut up. <laughs> Turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. I love that. Here's one of my other favorites, Acts 19. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So even Jews believed in evil spirits? Yes. Saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them. This would be freaky. Jesus I know, and Paul, I've heard of him, I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I'd love to see that. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all in the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Wait, what? Last one. Apostle Paul, Ephesians 6, says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What? I thought, like, we're supposed to just be really good, right? Be really nice. Like, Jesus came here to help you be really super nice. Like, he didn't say love, you know, people. He said, just be really nice to people. He's like, that's just going to help. There's a war going on. Like there's something more happening beyond what we know. 
And if you're here going, well, science can't, well, we, we can't, if, if I can't see it, I can't test it. Well, you, you believe in gravity and you can't test it. There's things you believe. Even quantum theory, we can't fully see everything. There's a lot of faith and belief. And yet, knowing that there's things going on behind the scenes. How many of you guys are germaphobes? You know there's things going on behind the scenes. And there are things happening around us, affecting us, or even infecting us, that are influencing us according to Scripture. Jesus has a lot to say about it. Paul has a lot. And all of the Old Testament Jewish Bible and history says a lot about this other world and this war between the two. Of course, my favorite He wouldn't consider himself a theologian, but an apologist, C.S. Lewis. One of my favorite chapters, I I geek out. Because C.S. Lewis is an apologist, an Oxford grad, brilliant mind, speaking to atheists, agnostics, everybody. And yet he had a very strong worldview about what we're talking about. One of my favorite, Mere Christianity, one of my favorite chapters, The Invasion. Just the excerpt says this. One of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament seriously was that it talks so much about a dark power in the universe. A mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind death and disease and sin. The difference is that Christianity thinks this dark power was created by God and was good when he was created and went wrong. Christianity agrees with dualism that this universe is at war. Dualism is a belief of a you know, really good and a really evil and they're just fighting and they're on equal playing grounds. He says, but it does not think that this is a war uh, between independent powers. Christianity thinks it is a civil war, a rebellion, and that we are living in a part of the universe occupied by the rebel. Here's my favorite part. Enemy-occupied territory, that is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king, Jesus, has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When you go to church, you are really listening in to the secret wireless from our friends. That is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going. He does it by playing on our conceit and laziness and intellectual snobbery. I know someone will ask me, do you really mean at this time of day to reintroduce our old friend the devil, hooves and horns and all? Well, what the time of day has to do with it, I do not know. And I'm not particular about the hooves and horns, but in other respects, my answer is, yes, I do. And I do not claim to know anything about his personal appearance. If anyone really wants to know him better, I would say to that person, don't worry. If you really want to, you will. Whether you'll like it when you do is another question. C.S. Lewis, reading the scripture, goes, there's some kind of war going on. There's some kind of cosmic civil war in which there is not just good and evil, but good that has gone bad and spoiled and God according to Christ is on a mission to bring back his world to bring back people 
Now there's two kind of extremes you can have when we're dealing with a spiritual fight. And I would say the first one is the extreme to underemphasize it. Some people, if they can't touch it, taste it, see it, quantify it, categorize it, they'll just ignore it or deny it. They'll basically deny that there's no opposition, no fight going on at all. And, and how can you know, if you ask yourself, how do I know if I underemphasize this? You pray very little and you work very hard. You focus on solving, fixing, analyzing, and no time for meditating, praying, confessing, gathering. It's easy to naturalize everything too much. And I'm not just preaching at you. I think we all do this. I think this is more of the proclivity than the other extreme is to underemphasize and overnaturalize everything. And we do it for a lot of reasons. I know me, uh, when we had our third child, we found out later he was autistic, but when he was one year old, I mean, he's not sleeping and no, we're just struggling. I mean, a full year of hardly any sleep. Many of you parents understand and can attest to that. And we were just like, what are we doing? Oh my gosh. And I remember we go to Nashville and the speaker that's coming in this Wednesday, Jim LaFoon, he had a message and then he, he brought us up. He said, Chris, Casey, come here. And he didn't really know us very well, but he knew we were pastors in Houston. And he starts praying for us and he starts getting a word, a prophetic word for us. And part of it, he, part of it was a rebuke to me. And he said, Chris, you take a lot. And you're just like, you know, you're used to, you can just say, oh, it's just life. It's just part of it. He said, but you're over-naturalizing everything. And there's a real enemy out trying to get you and out trying to destroy your family and harm you and and even some sleeping patterns. And we were just like, oh. So we go home, we start praying. And I'm telling you, it was like night and day. And it's, it's not that you don't do the physical things too and the medicine. Listen, people that, that say, let's throw all that out. That's crazy. We live in a physical world. But we also are in a spiritual world. And you need both. It's not one or the other. It's both and. And we start praying and we see God moving in our home, getting more peace. And we're like, well, of course we were praying before, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't a militant type prayer. It was just like, God, whatever. And you can have those prayers like, God, just whatever your will. And God's going, well, my will is for you to kick some devil butt. Like, I want you to do something. And God says, you know what? I'm giving authority and I'm, I'm wanting you to use it. It's just part of the cross. Not just so that we can flurry and go to heaven, but so we can rule and reign in our lives here on earth too, as it is in heaven. Now, the other extreme is to overemphasize it. And you all know, you probably know a few people and you have those people in mind. It's like a way minority. And you have those people in mind, you're like, well, I don't want to be like cousin so-and-so, right? Like everything's the devil. You know, I'm talking about those kind of people. Like, man, the devil gave me a ticket this week. No, you were going 80 in a 35. You're the idiot, right? Like, that's not the devil. Man, I just, I'm overweight, 50 pounds over, I just can't do it. The devil's just, no, he, no, no, no. You're shoving the Twinkies down your throat. Like, come on. Not everything's the devil. But that doesn't mean some things aren't. And I think there's probably more than you think. And according to the scripture, what we see, there's a lot more going on. 
And God on this mission to rescue men and women, people, nations, are you on that mission too? Are you oblivious to it? As I close, let me conclude here. I think there's three groups of people in this room. Number one, there's people that don't have the equipment at all. In other words, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know this Christ that has done more for you behind the scenes than you even understand. That wants to come in and excavate what's going on in your heart and soul when you're addicted and depressed and frustrated with all of these things. And maybe you've done it yourself and like, I can get out of this, but then you fall right back in because you don't have a relationship with the only one that actually can defeat ultimately what is defeating you because it's the sin on the inside of us. And it's the influence of a real enemy pushing you like a good lineman using your energy to push you into the areas that he wants you to go in. I remember quick story, me and my wife uh, a few houses ago we, we like to move, it's a personal hobby and uh, when we had a bunch of diapers in our house we, if you know anything in parenting we had, we had thrown the diapers in the trash and our trash has to stay in the garage uh, like the big can and everything and it's clothes and stuff but we know you know one got on the loose and it's a stinky one because my kids reek and so it was we would go in the garage and be like oh lord Jesus like cast that out something is, is in here and finally and, and it was piling up and we had a bunch of church stuff like boxes and old things and we were just we were like okay we got to get in the garage so we went in the garage and we were a little nervous and we went in the garage and we found, found, you know, found a few diapers that, that fell off the, out of the trash can. We're like, okay, but there's still this stink. We, we started pulling up some boxes and we found a cat dead. A box had landed on his head and just mushed. And there were just worms and things all over the place. And we're like, well, there it is. And, and, and so we got rid of the cat, and it was, it was just like, oh, my gosh. And so the, the smell was better, but then something happened. We noticed that uh, one day I was opening the garage to turn off the light, and I saw a rat run through. And, and then I remembered, oh, my gosh, a few weeks ago, <laughs> this is horrible, a lady came by our house and was saying she's missing her cat, and I was like, I haven't seen a cat. And this was before. It was before we knew. All these things come to my mind. I went, oh my gosh. We had gotten rid of the cat and the stench. But listen, if you don't get rid of the rat, there's going to be more cats. See, Jesus didn't just come to clean out the cats in your life. Well, that really stinks. I'm sorry. That's going bad for you. But see, as long as you've got a rat running around your house, cats are going to find their way in. And this is what Jesus came to do. Let me get that rat. You can't get it. Those things are punks. You can't get it. You'll never be able to do it alone. You're not equipped. But he says, let me get that rat. And man, your house will be clean. And fill it with me. And let's go fight some battles. Not just for myself, but for others. Second group of people in here. You didn't know there was a fight. Maybe you never heard, oh, there's a fight? Oh. Greatest ploy of any enemy is to make you think they're not really there. 
because then they can have their way with you. And you might go, well, it's just me. And God's going, that's not how I created you. The third thing, you don't know how to fight. What do I do? Okay, so Chris, you're saying there's like, there's God, of course, and there's spirits and there's war. What do I do? Well, I think it starts with humbling yourself and going, okay, there's a fight, there's something going on and I can't fix it. I can't do it by myself. I need prayer. I need awareness. I need something beyond me to save me and to help me. And that's what we want to continue to talk about in this series as we explore more of this battle and what you do and how we defeat what only Jesus can do through us and what he wants to desperately. You know, I heard Matt Chandler say it and I loved it. He said, no one told me when I came to Jesus that Jesus would be so raging crazy about getting rid of every part of me that doesn't love him and he is because he goes that's cancer that's cancer that's bronchitis that's like we got to get this out and that's what he's interested in doing for you and me let's stand